what I've found in my health coaching practice and how I've actually helped women make real change in their lives, the first step always has to go back to what do you want? And the first chapter of the health habit is talking about people confuse outcomes and goals. And that's why they never accomplish anything. Not only is this lovely human one of my closest friends, but I truly admire her and all the incredible work that she does in this world. Whenever I need business or life advice, she is always one of the first people that I call. Liz went from being a top performer at a big four accounting firm to leaving it all behind to study nutrition and whole living, to building a six and then seven figure online business based all around health, wellness, and nutrition. She offers countless people different ways to diet the right way and craft morning and evening routines that set you up for success. She recently wrote a book called The Health Habit, which is life-changing. And she's going to be talking about all of that today and more on the podcast. If you have ever wondered how to get a book deal, how to market your book, or how to share it with the world, then this episode is for you. Now, please make sure to subscribe to the Influencer Podcast if you haven't yet, as I don't want you to miss any of our amazing episodes. Also, make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone and tag me on your Instagram story at Jules Solomon and our guest at Elizabeth underscore writer and hashtag the Influencer Podcast to let us know that you are joining in today as you know that we love to share those screenshots on our stories as well. And if you're wanting even more of the podcast after the episode ends, then you gotta meet us over in our incredible Facebook community. We have over 7,000 incredible listeners in there each and every day helping and supporting one another. You can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Influencer Podcast to be a part of this awesome community. For small business owners, side hustlers, or entrepreneurs like me who produce their own podcasts, being plugged in and prepared when an opportunity comes up is crucial. Those moments happen all the time, and they're happening now. And having a business card that shows how professional you are in your pocket, ready to hand out, is the first step to making something happen. With Vistaprint, you can create a truly professional, unique card in minutes. You can pick your own paper stock, style, and quantity that's right for you. You can choose your delivery speed, order, and receive your card in as few as three days. You can add your logo and contact information with just a few clicks, and you know you can use it in all of your marketing going forward. They also have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They'll make it right, either by reprinting your order or offering a refund. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at $9.99. Use code TIP at vistaprint.com. That's code TIP at vistaprint.com. TIP at vistaprint.com. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Liz Ryder is back in the house. Julie. I am so, so, so excited that you're here. A, because you're one of my dearest, dearest, dearest best friends. You're one of my favorite humans on the planet. Um, But most importantly today, we get to celebrate your incredible, incredible book that is like here. I remember when this was like an idea and now it is this thing that is in the world. It's so amazing. I'm so excited for you. I cannot wait. 
Oh, Julie, thank you. Well, likewise, first of all, I want your listeners to know um, how much I adore you. And we, we actually, like when I'm thinking back on our friendship, we re- met relatively recently, like in the last two years, but became very fast friends. Yeah. And I feel like I've known you my entire life. And I just, I love talking to you. I love sharing with you. I feel like, you know, I'm so grateful for this friendship because we became such fast friends. I feel like I can say anything to you yeah. without judgment. Yes. Um, ask you for advice. Um, laugh our bums off. Yes. And you drink really well. Yeah. <laughs> All the things, yeah. which we're going to be talking a lot about eating and drinking yes. today, healthily yeah. anyway. Um, but if you, if you didn't hear, Liz has been on the podcast before. She was on episode 86 of the Influencer Podcast. So you can go to juliesolomon.net forward slash 86 if you want to hear more about her amazing business journey, her strategy, all of the good stuff that she shared with us there. Liz and I met through a mastermind and as she said, just became really propelled us into a very intimate and close relationship along with some of our other dear friends. Um, but we're here today to talk health habit, which yeah. I'm holding up, but no one can see that, but you're going to see it on if you go to juliesolomon.net forward slash one, two, four which is today's episode, you're going to get a transcript of this entire episode for free. And then you're going to get a link to this incredible new book. So let's dive into the health habit, Liz. Why the health habit? Oh, yeah. Um, That's such a hard question for me to answer right now, Julie, because I'm in the the book is finished. It's just about to launch. Um, And I think I have like a hundred answers to that Mm -hmm. because the answer to why the health habit for me or why your book or why anything you're creating changes during the process. Yeah. So why the health habit, you know, in the beginning was this is the culmination of all of my work. I've put over 10,000 women through healthy eating programs or lifestyle programs. And the health habit is my work of going through the, really pouring through the feedback forms, getting out of just the theory of healthy living because, and, and Hey, I have all these books too. I'm not knocking these types of books, but there are a lot of books on the theory about how to live well, right. Which is eliminate certain foods, do these certain activities and so forth. And putting that into practice is a whole different story. Right. So I think, you know, and again, those books have their place. Um, obviously we need the research, We need the theory. My work is really further down the line with actually implementing it day to day as a health coach with people. Mm. And really in the feedback forms, what I was getting is women know how to be healthy, Mm -hmm. but they're just not doing it. Mm. Why is that? Right. Yeah. No, we know how to be healthy. We're not doing it right. We know that blueberries are better for us than Snickers. (laughs) That's not a revelation, right? I didn't need to write a book that like, Hey, processed food is not healthy and real food is healthy. We already know that. Right. So the health habit is how to create a lifestyle that you enjoy that supports your health, actually like in the nitty gritty day-to-day details, which is really supporting, you know, mind, body, spirit sounds so generic. It's really, how do you actually do this on a day-to-day basis? And really the health habit came from me pouring over the feedback forms and just and, and interviewing and sitting and listening to women for 10 years and helping them make those shifts. Hmm. So that was the why in the beginning. Um, as it, I was writing it, you know, it's, I don't believe that people are chosen. I think that we work hard for what we have. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't don't believe in the chosen one. Mm -hmm. I think chosen people choose themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm. And there, once I finished this book and had kind of 
you know, wrapped up the editing process and I, I got an email um, from some people who had pre-read it and they were like, Liz, this book is life-changing. I've never read anything like it. I actually feel like I could actually do this now. Um, and part of me just realized, I think it was a download. It was just something that the world needs right now. Mm. It's a moderate book. It's a compassionate book. And it actually will help people make change. And I think it's what we need right now because so many books right now are basically telling people, eliminate literally half of what you're eating, changes people's social lives, requires you to make a different dinner for yourself than the rest of your family. Right. Um, It's just not an actual sustainable lifestyle. So yeah, there is part of me that thinks that and feels that this is just, this is something the world needs right now. And it came through me. Mm. Okay. I know it did because I was there for the whole thing. I know. (laughs) I got to see it all. Um, Okay. So now let's talk about what? I mean, it's obviously the book cover, seven easy steps to reach your goals and dramatically improve your life, but it's so much more than those seven easy steps. I love how you break it down into three phases Mm -hmm. um, or parts, I guess I should say. I call them phases. Yeah. Parts, phases. I think it's... Yeah. Um, And then the kickstart plan at the end, which I think is genius. So let's, let's just walk through that. So what is what is the health habit and and why why the the three parts yeah absolutely so what's so interesting julian and i know for your readers especially who many of them um obviously are influencers and or may want to have their own book as we talk about this on this specific podcast i want to talk about the actual book writing process because yes. i think it will help people who want to write their own book so what's really interesting is um books are often not titled until they're finished and usually the publisher titles the book. Now, not always. Somebody might have a great title, but and going into it, people have told me, you know, Liz, you're going to have this title. You're going to have all these titles. And then at the end, they're going to be like, oh, here's the title. It's right. like, what? That wasn't, and I didn't know that about books. Um, the original, and this book, I'm Jules, this book went through, I'm not joking, like 15 different titles. Mm. And part of, you know, for me, it was just being open to the process. That was really difficult. As I was writing it, knowing that it didn't have an t- official title yet, I like to know where I'm going and I like to have a title and it was difficult for me to write this book without a title. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. 
No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. The original title, or in my contract, it says something like Untitled Wellness Playbook. Because they knew that they, we didn't know what the title was, was yet. Right. So we threw around the wellness playbook for a while. And then that just kind of fell flat and felt generic. And man, it wasn't re- re- quite it. And then the book actually final, well, they say final title was not the final title. What I thought the final title was um, healthy without the hard. Mm. And then that was mocked up on the cover. And all we could see is the word healthy and hard. And there was no, no, matter, how, <laughs> no matter how they it, it looked like healthy is really hard. Right. So it was like full bore. I just, I called the publisher. I was like, it can't be this. And they were like, we agree. I was like, great, 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 great. Anyway, so I'm writing the book and, you know, in the book writing process, this book originally was seven parts, but very siloed. So seven things Mm -hmm. or six things. It was like, um, food and nutrition, body and beauty, home and environment, um, mind and spirit and career. And each chapter was how to be healthy in each area of life. Right. And I I got done with that. I finished that on time. I had four months to write it. The week it was due, I kind of just took a step back and I was like, hmm, this is close, but this isn't it. Mm. Like this, it was a good book, but it wasn't a fantastic book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, crap. (laughs) So I... I'm talking to my editor and, and she's like, I agree with you. She's like, this is a good book, but it's not like earth shattering, fantastic. And I had this just like 3 a.m. epiphany, you know, the hours between 3 and 4 a.m. for everyone are the, are, uh, the deep mind times for everyone. And if I ever wake up at that time and I have a thought, I know it's important. Mm. And, and I don't wake up, you know, in the middle of the night that often anymore. And I woke up at like 3.30 in the morning and I was like, this book's too siloed. It needs to be more of a progression of like six, seven, eight steps, not siloed areas of life. Mm-hmm. So I contacted the publisher who I, you know, you're working with an editor mostly in the book writing process once you've signed the deal. Contacted uh, the publisher of Hay House who I signed with and I was like, I think I need to rewrite this book. And she was amazing. Patty Gift, who's a publisher at Hay House. Um, we have a great relationship. We had a great relationship from the beginning. And she goes, well, how long do you think you need to write it? <laughs> and I was like, well, probably, you know, another three or four months. I mean, that's like 12 weeks to write an entire book. It's quick. 16. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's very quick. But because I had, I had this, right when I had that thought, I was like seven steps. I wrote it out. I outlined it. I always work off of a really detailed outline. 
Um, and the first book had a great outline and that's what I worked off of. But once it's in, and, and this is what I want to talk to about with your readers and encourage your, or your listeners, you have to be willing to get that good first draft out or even crappy first draft, right? Shitty. And shitty Just first shitty. draft. Yep. Uh, you know, Ryan Holiday talks about it in Perennial Seller and anybody who's going to write a book, you need to read Perennial Seller first. You know, it takes a lot of, I would even say courage just to get a crappy first draft out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but you don't have clarity. And I don't think I wouldn't have had clarity on the final book until I got that shitty first draft out. Yeah. So I got that draft out. And again, and this is where it takes again, courage to go to my publisher and be like, okay, hi, I know I'm a new author. I've never published a book with you before. And I just delivered a good book on time. I, I need more time and I would like to rewrite it. <laughs> And they could have said no, um, but you know, they were great. And it pushed the entire editing schedule forward. Of course it, which put a lot of pressure on their team. This is a full color design book. So it pushed the uh, design process. I mean, it, it pushed a lot of things out and the publisher is working with so many books at the same time. And the windows are, are narrow to finish things. Anyways, it all worked out. They gave me the time. And when I finished it, I had the most overwhelming sense of calm and relief that yes, this is the book it's supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Yeah. I love that. That gave me chills. Um, so through your intuition, through listening to yourself, through knowing, through knowing, and then moving forward, how is the book that you did create different from the, the siloed? Yes. Iteration. And that'll answer the other question of what is a health habit? So going through it, once I finally finished it, I still didn't have a title. And it's, but I knew that there was going to be a great title. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. And editors read it, loved it. And once the editors kind of approve it, um, they send a, a unfinalized draft to the sales team and to some of the people. And it was one of the gentlemen on the sales team. He goes, he read the first chapter. He goes, oh, this book is called The Health Habit. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. Perfect. Um, the health habit it is, and it just kind of came to me, you know, your health habit, a person's health habit is a skill or a set of skills that allows you to make the best choices for you. And I already had that language as I was writing the book, because I know what I'm teaching people in the seven steps. I'm not prescribing a way of healthy living, right? I'm helping you as the reader, as the individual, as a citizen of the planet, figure out what is most healthy for you? Because we know there's not one right way of eating. That's why there's so much confusion in food and nutrition right now. Right. What serves one person's biologically is not going to serve another person biologically. And people just want to be told what to do, but really we have to be able to figure it out for ourselves. So we start with goals and really only two chapters in this book are about food. Right. And I mean that the whole first it's, it's really about like getting your mindset ready to create a habit that is sustainable and realistic for your life. Yeah. And what turned out to be, and it was, and it wasn't until I had the title that I went back through the draft again to coin the term, the health habit and, and actually define what it is for people. Right. And, and turn that into the flow of the book. And once that happened, it was just flow. I mean, it was just flow the entire way. And, um, yeah, just really helping people not just change one food group or one food, because that might serve you for a little while, but that generally fizzles out. How do you create a lifestyle that you actually look forward to all these healthy habits that you've created? Because there are, I mean, infinite ways to be healthy. There's not just one. And I, my goal with my readers, my blog readers, 
book readers, you know, anybody who works in my world is to help people just understand that there's not one right way. And it doesn't have to be crippling. When we start to think that there's one right way to be healthy, it starts to feel heavy. And that's when people feel crippled by their lifestyle. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the goals for a little minute, because I think that initially when someone hears like setting your goals for eating, the first thing that I, and I just have to speak, like the first thing that I think that I would just think of would be like, oh, well, I just need to make a list of like the foods that I'm going to eat and basically meal prep. Like I just need to make a list of everything on a Sunday and then I need to go to the grocery store and I need to get that stuff. And then you like set up all this time, spend all this time doing that. I don't think that's what you mean. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, that's a great point. Yeah. So the goal section of the health habit don't have anything to do with meal prep. I love meal prep. I think it's a great idea. Right. So what I, what I found in my health coaching practice and how I've actually helped women make real change in their lives, the first step always has to go back to what do you want? And the first chapter of the health habit is talking about people confuse outcomes and goals. And that's why they never accomplish anything. And Jules, this is true. You know, this, this is true in health, but especially in business and relationships and yeah. life. And then walk us through that. What do you mean? Yeah. But like, I, my outcome should be my goal. Like that's what I want. Yep. So walk us through that. What you mean so by it's, that is it's that still, confusing the outcome for the goal. Yeah. It's still great to have the outcome. Having a desired outcome usually is where you start in health. And I'll talk about this in relation to health. You can throw in a business example or I can, if you want to, but in relation to health, a lot of women say, well, my goal is to lose 15 pounds or my goal is to lose 20 pounds. Right. And what I always start with my clients is that's actually not a goal. That's a desired outcome. Right. And a goal has to be daily and actionable or right. else you are just wandering, right? You're trying, there's not a target to hit there. Right. So a, an example of goals that would support that desired outcome would be eating 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up, eating a, only a low glycemic breakfast, no matter what, whatever you eat during the day, if you eat sugar fasted, so we call breakfast breakfast because we're breaking our fast. If you eat sugar in a fasted state, so the very first thing you eat in the morning, whether it's at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., noon, whatever, the very first thing you eat in the day, if you eat sugar, something high glycemic that spikes your blood sugar, you're more likely to eat double to triple the amount of calories during the day simply from just being hungry. Mm. So making, you know, there's a goal would be no matter what I choose during the day, the very first thing I eat has to stabilize my blood sugar, has to be low in sugar to keep my blood sugar balanced. So that would be the goal. That would be a goal. The losing the weight, the result that happens from right. that goal. Absolutely. Um, tracking blood sugar numbers. I teach people how to do that in the book um, is not just for diabetics. We should, all women should be doing that. Um, you know, there are, and, and, and so, you know, the first chapter I talk about, you need to set daily actionable goals to support the desired outcome that you want. And then the question is, but what are the daily actionable things I should do to get to that outcome? And right. the rest of the book lays that out. Lays that out. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I think that that's so true with the, with the goal setting. Cause a lot of time you see that in business. Well, you know, I, I want to, I want to make, Mm -hmm. $50,000. Well, that's not a goal. That's the result that you'll get by doing a number of things potentially. Right. Um, And I want to, let me just, can I just add real quick to the health habit? I, I really tried to, and there, this is unavoidable, but I I wanted to keep it out of the weight loss category. Mm. It's inevitably going to end up in the weight loss categories because of, I think the zeitgeist of health right now, but also it, it is it is something that people struggle with because of processed food right now. Right. So what I want women to know, especially, is you are not your weight. Your weight does not ultimately define your health. 
that's the example that I just gave, but there are a lot of other things that people want in health. Like, you know, I want, I want more energy with my kids in the morning, right? I don't want to wake up so tired and groggy and cranky. Um, so daily actionable goals to get better sleep to support more energy during the day, right. Or, right. or balancing my hormones or, you know, there, there's a, or, you know, something with your skin. There's so many other health goals. So I know we just talked about weight, but I also don't want to, you know, anybody listening to this to think that this is just a weight loss book. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not at all. I mean, I, I didn't get that from reading it at all. I mean, you have great recipes in there that maybe one of the effects will be that you will lose weight yeah. <laughs> if that is your desired outcome. Yes. Um, so I want to talk about the, in chapter two, you talk about having a backup on hand, which I think is genius because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there that are like, I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time to cook. I ain't got time to do this. I ain't got time to cook my meals at home. Like I'm busy. I'm on the go. I'm building this. I got the kids. I got the dog. I got the da-da-da-da-das. So how do they start to create healthier habits? Yeah. I mean, and this is this is why I feel the health habit is different than a lot of books because while I do cook most of my own food and I believe in that, I'm also a realist and I've coached a lot of women and I understand that that's just not the case for everyone. There are absolutely ways to be healthy if you one don't enjoy cooking or don't like to cook. I you know I want people to avoid plastic as much as they can. One reason to avoid packaged food is really all of the chemicals and processed shit in processed food, um, but also the plastic, high levels of plastic that we absorb. However, if you are not a person who often cooks or just like me, you know, Jules, as a food blogger, obviously I cook a lot. Right. And somebody who's a health coach and I enjoy cooking. I think it's therapeutic. If I feel it's therapeutic. Right. There are days where I eat almond butter off the spoon for lunch because, you know, I'm doing four podcasts and I'm launching a website and I'm doing everything too. So I'm not perfect. Uh, the concept of backup food is just to be really realistic that there are going to be times where you just need something quick to eat, right. whether that's, you know, gluten-free frozen burritos or keeping the frozen fruit and the protein powder around, um, meal delivery services, you know, everybody's budget's different. So it's going to depend what fits into your budget. Uh, the salad bar at your local natural grocery store, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to, the health habit gives people a lot of different variety and ways to find healthy food that isn't necessarily you cooking every single meal yourself. Hmm. And I want to talk about schedule kind of, we're talking kind of about that now, but you do mention intermittent, intermittent. I don't say, I never say that right. Intermittent fasting. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You talk about it in the book, you share kind of, and if you can give just a quick overview of what that is for people who may not know. Um, And then I kind of want to break a little bit of of that down and how that looks like throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. It's benefits. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. So the the scientific name for the least sexy name ever, but this is what science calls it is time restricted eating. Um, and it's not starving yourself. And I really want to make that clear that intermittent fasting doesn't have anything to do with starving yourself or going hungry. If you're eating correctly and you're eating a low sugar way, you can, you can use intermittent fasting and not feel hungry at all. And that's really the goal. I don't ever want anybody to feel hungry or miserable. If you, if your tummy is growling and you're hungry, you need to eat. I'm you know, there's no reason to starve yourself, but intermittent fasting the, essentially is that you go a period of time every day or every week fasted. And we already kind of do this, right? Because we go to bed and then we sleep and then we wake up, right? So when we're sleeping, we're already fasting. Fasting just means that we're, we're not consuming any food. Um, what we've learned, what science has shown over the past few decades of research is that the longer window you can have between dinner and breakfast the next morning, fasted the more health benefits you will achieve. 
which includes higher energy, um, potential weight loss or weight maintenance, if that's what you're going for. There's a process in the body. I actually don't get into the science too much in this in the book because I wanted to focus on the action of autophagy uh, and mitophagy, where your body actually kind of cleans out metabolic waste and allows your cells to turn over um, in a in a faster way, which is better for your health. So people will notice clearer skin, probably looser pants, more energy, even more balanced mood. It can help balance your hormones. There's a whole host of benefits to intermittent fasting. And really what I think the most easy way to implement this in your lifestyle is, is just creating the largest window you can between dinner and breakfast the next morning, which means eating dinner earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And depending on what your goals are and, and where you're at in life, and I talk about this in the book, um, holding off in the morning. Now, here's the thing. Anything, any food or drink breaks your fast, except for water. And some people will do a dirty fast in the morning with black coffee. They'll be like, oh, technically it's just black coffee. Or like Um, celery juice. Celery juice, herbal tea. That'd be considered a dirty fast. It's not necessarily a bad thing, and that works for some people. The thing with intermittent fasting and everything I teach in the health habit is people have to experiment and see what works for them. There's not one exact right way to do it. I tell people... So, so this is called um, 16-8, was made popular by Lean Gains as a blog um, a, a while ago, where you basically try to eat all of your food in an eight-hour window and then fast for the other 16 hours a day. So um, even if you can minimum have a 12-hour fast, meaning if you finish dinner at seven o'clock, don't eat anything until seven o'clock the next morning. And where people really get into, and that's really easy to do actually, where people get into trouble yeah. with that is like the snacks before bed and, you know, all of, all of the, the, the slow chocolate, the yeah. chocolate, yeah, the slow, tr- have the chocolate, just have it right after dinner. Right. So right. it's not about not having any of that stuff. It's just finishing earlier in the day. Um, one of the biggest benefits of intermittent fasting is sleep. Mm. And I've noticed for myself how much better I sleep when I use intermittent fasting. So I love to eat early as early as I can in the day. I often, you know, it depends on the, it depends on the day, but in, Average work day, if it's just me and I can, I'll finish dinner by five and I won't eat again until nine o'clock the next day. Yeah. So that, it, that would be the six, would that be the 16 hour? Yeah. The six, yeah. the eight hour. So the eight hour window. Cause yeah. I know you give three samples in the book, mm-hmm. um, which, and like you said, the 12, not eating for 12, like eating seven to seven or eight to eight, like it's really not that difficult. That's not difficult. Yeah. And start there. What is what I tell people. And here's the thing. Intermittent fasting is not about eating less. So the really key thing about this is that in your eight hour window, you're not reducing calories or eating less. I still eat the same amount that I would eat in a normal day. I'm just tightening the window. Another, there's other ways to do intermittent fasting. There's other ways to the five, two, where, um, two days a week you can fast. I find that more challenging, especially if people have families, because it's difficult for you to fast for an entire day when you know you're feeding your kids or you're, you have a significant other, or maybe it's just difficult to do. Uh, people who should not, not engage in intermittent fasting, um, women who are pregnant or um, nursing or anyone who's experienced disordered eating or an eating disorder in the past um, should avoid intermittent fasting. But, you know, for the general population, intermittent fasting is a great thing to do for your health. Yeah. And thank you for walking us through that. Cause again, it's actionable. Like what are the actionable things that I can do to sustain more energy, to get better sleep? And so that is trying a 12-hour window or a 16-hour window or I think a 14-hour window of not eating. 
Yeah. I mean, 12 to 16, even if maybe you start with 12 hours, and then the next week you do 12 and a half, and then the next week you do 13 and just kind of work your way up. And the cool thing about intermittent fasting is it has, there are proven benefits of, set, of intermittent fasting, even if you only do it five days a week. So, you know, go out on Friday night with your friends, do whatever, you know, we all have, I encourage those loud and late dinners like you and I have had before, because that feeds the, the mental part of your health, right? Just, you know, I don't expect everybody to lock themselves in their house at five o'clock every day and be done eating right. uh, as much as you can engage in intermittent fasting and it will, you'll have health benefits. Um, you have a ton of incredible information that is so easy to understand, so actionable from the journal prompts to understanding your numbers, understanding how much sugar to consume a day, understanding how many steps you should take a day. There's so many amazing, easy, actionable steps in here. Um, I want to also ask you, because you have great recipes in here as well, why was it important for you to kind of mix the both of really kind of allowing people to, to, to implement this in their life, which we understand, but then adding these specific recipes? Why did you choose these? Yeah. <laughs> As I was writing the book and I was going back and forth with Hay House, because obviously recipes add pages, right? Right. Um, we, we didn't know if we were going to have room for recipes because it just more back to the business side of writing a book. Uh, their book pages go in counts of 16. So if you're going to add pages, it needs to be in blocks of 16. And every time you do that, it adds to the cost of the book to print, which increases the cost of the price, the book for people to buy. And this is a full color book. So it's already, you know, costing more to print and to buy. So I finished it. We edited a lot out. Um, my editor, Mary Norris, who I just adore so much, she was so great and she was so forward with me, which I needed, you know, she'd circle something and be like, this is another book or, you know, she would just cut or like, we cut a lot out of this book. There's, there's so many, Jules, there's so many topics that I still want to write about or that got cut from this book. But, um, I also, at once I finished, I was like, no, we have to include recipes. I just told people all these ways to be healthy. I can't just be like, okay, go find your own, you know, make up your own recipes, just go, you know, <laughs> snap your fingers, um, and, and make up recipes. The, the, res the reason that these recipes are in the book, for me, it's the things that I make most often right? Um, that have similar ingredients that, you know, I, I talk about this in the book and I'm big on this. I love the latest superfood as much as everybody else. I love dragon fruit and I love acai powder and I love matcha and maca and I, I love all that stuff too. And I know that that's not necessarily reasonable on everybody's budget every single week. So the health habit recipes are easy to find accessible ingredients that don't necessarily follow one particular dietary style. So in the book, I help people figure out, you know, you, maybe it helps you to label your eating habits. Maybe you want to be paleo or vegan, if that feels good to you. I don't label my eating habits. So I teach people how to figure out if you, if that benefits you, or if it does not, I do not label my eating habits. I kind of a mix of everything. Um, I eat mostly gluten-free and mostly dairy-free because I know I feel better that way. So that's what the recipes in this book are. Um, but the, the recipes in the book, again, it's not one specific way of eating, but it's all real food. And the, the goal of the recipes in this book was just to teach people how to take really accessible ingredients and turn it into delicious food. Mm. And I love that you give, you give sample meal plans, you give a sample snacks. I mean, you make it so easy to implement it into your day, even if it's grab and go, even if you do have time to prep, which I love. We got to talk about the granola. 
Yeah, because I know that it is one of the most searched granola recipes on the internet, on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super, super yummy. Is this the same? I mean, is this kind of, how did that come about? I mean, you created this recipe, it went viral. Yeah. Essentially. And it's found its way in the book. Yeah. You know, I don't, it's so interesting with viral content. I know there's, there's, um, you know, even books written on viral content and like strategies and steps and all these yep. things. Jules, I wrote that recipe like in my pants <laughs> 10 years ago. Yeah. When I became a health coach, I was like, just, you know, going through my own health transformation of wanting to make more of my own food to get the, you know, there's so many chemicals and additives and preservatives added to food that aren't even on the label because they're not required to be. Right. And they're circulating through our bodies. And I just remember this one day being like, I had been buying these big bags of granola that they weren't bad, but they had canola oil and just lower quality oils and things in it. And I was like, I could make my, this isn't that hard. I like read, the, read the ingredients. And uh, I grew up with a mom who cooked. That's where I started cooking. I just kind of uh, growing up in the process knew how to cook. So I was like, I'm going to make my own granola. Well, what would I have in my kitchen? And I, I kind of had everything in my kitchen that I would put into granola. And, um, I needed the oil and I was like, Oh, I'll just use a little bit of coconut oil instead. So I made this granola. It turned out so delicious, really easy, you know, affordable recipe. I put it on my blog. This is even back, Jules. This is when my blog was called hold living blog. It was before my website was even my name. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, as I was, before I even, probably as I was becoming a health coach, actually, I'm trying to even think of when it was when I was going through my own health transformation, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't even think I had an online program. I didn't even know what online business was. I had a food blog. I put it up and within the year, it was the number one. If you Googled homemade granola, it was the number one recipe on Google and has been ever since. It just was a really accessible, easy, delicious recipe. One thing that helped that so much was the comments on the blog. Google loves, well, there's things that the Google algorithm loves and nobody knows what the algorithm actually is and you can't game it, but there are some things that it loves. Number one, it loves history. The longer it's been there, the more they like it. Right. Um, they love um, simple writing and simple URLs, meaning that it says homemade granola. That's in the URL. And the writing is just really clear and just to the point. And then Google loves the idea of the page constantly being updated, not with the content, but from the perspective of comments, because they know that if there's a lot of comments on something that obviously people are interested in it. Right. And that blog post just started getting a lot of comments and it's still, it's the most commented post on my blog, um, going back years. So it just, yeah, that one really took off. Loved it. I had to put it in the book. Of course. course. And that's so good. Okay. Um, before we get more into strategy, I want to ask you what, what is your biggest hope for the woman or man Mm -hmm. who picks up this book and takes action on it? My biggest hope for anybody who reads this book is that they find ways of relief that are healthy and enjoyable, that they somehow improve their life in a way that does not feel difficult for them. Mm. Yeah. I love that. All right. So let's talk book launch mm-hmm. strategy. Oh my gosh. Book. So how does one, for someone who's listening, that's like, I have this idea, I have this book, I want to do it. Like, how do I get a book deal? How do I get a publisher? How do I get an agent? And then we can talk about what happens after that. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, first, I would say anybody who wants to write a book, 
just write your book. You do not need permission from anyone to write a book. So if you have a book idea or you know that you are meant to write a book, I say, just write it, just start writing. And again, you're going to have that shitty first draft. Mm -hmm. So just have the courage to get that one out of the way. You're going to have to create that. And then, you know, you'll create something even better whenever, when, and I mean, everybody creates content in a little bit different style, depending on your own artistic way. I always work off of a detailed outline. And I encourage people when you're, you know, writing. So the way I would outline something, and I, this is how I outline my online programs, book, whatever. Get down all of the ideas, even if it's messy, bullet points, whatever it is, onto a piece of paper or a spreadsheet, Google document, however you write. And don't even worry about the order. Just get everything out that you would want for that topic. Start reordering it in categories. Start eliminating things that are great, but not necessarily part of this topic. Um, and then create yourself a detailed outline. But I would say anybody who wants to write a book, just write a book. Mm. You don't need permission. You don't need a publisher yet. Um, in fact, you know, I usually to get it. So let's talk about getting a book deal. In order to get a book deal, generally, you're going to need a book proposal. And Julie, I know that you know way more about this than I do even. So you can teach your audience about this, but a book, book proposal, and you can Google book proposal and there's templates. And I love uh, Danielle Laporte and Linda Sybertson's big, beautiful book plan. Y- you need a book proposal that basically is a proposal to a publisher and an agent and or an agent to say, hey, I have something to say and here's what it is. And they'll ask you for an outline, a sample chapter, your own platform. Do you have an email list, social media, all these things. What's interesting to me in this day and age is that this is not a hard and fast rule, but it appears that publishers want you as the author to have an email list, right? To have a website, perhaps some level of social media following because they want to know that people are interested in what you have to say. And that my, and it, sometimes I feel like that sounds kind of harsh because I'm like, wow, if somebody doesn't have an email list, I know they still have a lot to say, you know? Right. right. However, they're relying on you as the author. I mean, publishing has changed dramatically in the past decade or two. They're relying on you as the author to have a platform of the first buyers of whatever it is you're going to sell. Now, if you don't have an email list yet, that's okay. You can create one now. You know, you can start... It doesn't matter when you start. It just matters that you start. Um, But a publisher is going to want to see that you have a way to communicate with an audience. And I, and like you mentioned before, Julie, people can listen to, is it episode 86? Yes. You and I talked about that on, I'm so about the email list, um, that you can start now. It doesn't matter when you start. It just matters that you start. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you, you've got a book, it's, it's ready, whether it's self-published or you have a traditional publisher and you're getting ready. Tell us about the process and even sharing, because I know that you talked about how you had different iterations of the book, but I would even love for you to share the story of the book cover and oh, yeah. how that yes. happened. Well, and I think you, you, you can teach people more about getting an agent or you can bring someone on to teach that. I, right. tell, I don't have any problem telling people this, I'm actually considered, I am a free agent. I don't have a book agent. Hmm. I signed directly with a publisher, which is, does not happen very often. Right. Um, And that's a very specific thing. It it worked out for me and it was, it was a good choice for me um, because of my relationship with them. And I also have a business background and I have strong negotiating skills. So it is generally not the case that somebody works without an agent, but I don't have an agent. So somebody else can teach your audience about that. Right. Um, But you know, it's funny. One, at, 
the publisher has control and dictates the cover as well. Now, of course, if you have a good relationship with them, which most people do, you they'll take your feedback. You know, if you're like, no, I hate this, you know, they would most likely change it. Right. But it's, it's their final decision on what the cover is. And <laughs> being a full color book, we had done two photo shoots for this book because there's a lot of photos on the inside of this book, lifestyle photos. Right. And we had, oh my gosh, like 500 photos or something to choose from. And they could not find one they liked for the cover, which is so deflating, Julie. <laughs> I can't even, I, but here's the thing. The photos were so perfect for the inside of the book. It, more, it wasn't that they weren't good photos. Right. And I didn't realize because this is my first book and my first experience with this, how, and finally after the second one, when they told me they still didn't have the right cover photo, they were like, oh, don't worry. Like book covers are notoriously hard to shoot. Right. And most people do a photo shoot just for the cover. And like, so we just assumed these were for the inside anyways. We weren't even, you know, thinking. We just didn't, it just wasn't, and, and it wasn't the photographer or anything. It was just my energy of whatever we were trying to shoot. You know, the ones that we had, the options we had. And I even saw it and I told him, I was like, I know this isn't the right cover. Right. I looked, I looked almost afraid, <laughs> you know, like, like I'm getting my first book cover shoot done and I look afraid. Uh, but the inside photos weren't like that, which is interesting. So the inside photos worked out perfect. We don't have a cover and it's getting down to the wire where like they have to have a cover in order for this book to be on time. Right. On schedule. If a book gets pushed off schedule, because there are so many other books that the publisher is working with, it just throws so many things off. You might right. be pushed out a long time if you were not on schedule. Right. So um, I'm like so deflated. I mean, talk about like having like the, the self doubt, Julie, of, I can't, well, obviously it's me. I can't take a good photo. I felt like I can't, I can't take a good photo. It's me. Cause I knew right. the photographers are talented. Right. Um, I had just been at a mastermind event and met Darcy Benincosa, who I adore and everyone needs to follow her on Instagram. She's a phenomenal photographer, but she's just one of the funniest humans I've ever met. And again, kind of like my relationship with you, she and I really connected and became fast friends in a mastermind you know, um, situation, you're meeting people who are similar to you, like-minded, who are probably at similar places in their business. We became fast friends. And it was, I had met her the weekend before Hay House told me that we didn't have a cover. Wow. And we've already done two shoots. I've exhausted my photography budget. I, so I know whatever. You're exhausted. I'm exhausted, right? <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm deflated. I feel like I can't take a good photo. Right. Um, I know whatever I do, I'm and then I'm paying out of pocket, right? Because right. I've exhausted my budget. Um, and I had met Darcy like literally five days before this. She lives in Salt Lake. I live in Seattle. I'm sitting in my office, just feeling so deflated. And I just reached out to her and I was like, hey, I know this is so random and last minute, but is there any chance you'd be free in the next little bit of time to take a photo of me for my to, to try to get my book cover? because we don't have a cover and I don't know what to do right now. And she was like, girl, I got you. She's like, can you be here this weekend? And this is like a Wednesday. And I was like, are you serious this weekend? And she had so much going on herself. And this is where, you know, the, the depth of a female friendship of just knowing that another woman has your back. She right. had a lot on her plate. Um, she's like, I, I know a studio space here. She basically organized a photo shoot for me in three days. I, I remember booking my flight that night to fly out on Friday Got to Salt Lake. We had set up this whole kitchen shoot. It was great. All these photos. 
I was feeling really good about it. And as we're leaving, I'm just feeling so happy. I'm like, Darcy, I'm so happy. You're just such a good friend. I, I so appreciate you. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. She's like, you look so cute right now. I had thrown on my sweater that I had on that day. It's January. So I'm wearing like a sweater and jeans. We're walking through the hallway. She's like, and there's this big white wall with natural light. And she was like, you look so cute right now. Do you want me to snap a few for Instagram or for, you know, whatever website filler photos? Cause I'm, you know, ha- have the hair and makeup and I'm just in my regular clothes. And, um, I was like, yeah, sure. So we stop. She's like holding her camera bag. She's just like randomly snapping pictures of me. I'm like not posed, just super random. I throw those in the catch-all folder and Hay House two weeks later, not in the the folder that was supposed to be a cover. So the cover photos were like, and Hay House had told me we want a kitchen background. We want, they were very specific. They show me the cover and it's one of those on the white wall of me and my sweater. Of course it is. Of course it is. I'm like, what? I'm so confused when they show me the cover because I'm like, that's, that's not the cover shoot that we just did. Yeah. I almost didn't even know where the picture came from. I was like, where did you get that picture? Um, and it's just so funny, Jules, you know, the, the lessons in this of trying to control everything and plan everything. I like agonized over what shirt I would wear. Right. Mm -hmm. For like weeks, I ordered like 15 different tops from Mm -hmm. Mm Nordstrom.com. I had all these I mean, the, that kitchen shoot was so strategically placed and they mocked up one of the kitchen shoot and this one, the, the one that it ended up being, Hay House unanimously, everybody on their team wanted the one that it is right now with the white background and me in the sweater. And just, you know, the look on my face and the energy it gives out, it is the better photo for the cover. So right. I agree with them. But how it just went from the 180 of feeling deflated, not having a photo to a rescue photo shoot that I felt really good about in a kitchen to Hay House being like, nah, next to the kitchen. We like this one on the white wall of you and your sweater. Um, it just, I never would have picked a sweater to wear in my book cover, but they love this photo and it just, it worked out. Yeah. And I had no control over that. It just, it's just the way it happened. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just a good reminder for everyone that it's, you know, the more that you can just kind of like surrender to the process. Not take it all so because we do, we all do. Everything has to be, you know. Oh, and then of course it's and it's the perfect book cover and it's beautiful and it's soft and it's healthy, like it's it looks exactly what you're. It the visual point is there. It looks exactly what the message of the book is yeah. is bringing forth. So I think that I wanted you to share that because I just think it's a good reminder for everyone listening. Yeah, thank you. Sometimes no. you just have to start and you just have to do it and you just have to move forward, even yes. if you can't control or predict the outcome. <laughs> yeah, well, and I will say, I mean, control is an illusion. Completely. Exactly. Yeah. Because even though you think that you're controlling something, the way the book is happening or the way the cover is going to happen occasionally control. The reason it's an illusion is because occasionally it works out. So that gives you the illusion that you actually have control over things Right. where in most cases you don't, but you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other, right? Had I not connected with Darcy and done the rescue photo shoot in the kitchen, I wouldn't have this photo, right? Right. So right. just, you know, you can't control the way it works out and even more, you don't have to. Yeah. It will work out. Yeah. As long as you're taking action, it will work out. That's true. Action is the operative word there. Um, so tell us a little bit about marketing. I mean, you're 
the book's coming out. You're, you've been in a pre-launch book marketing phase for a while now. What are some of the biggest tips that you could give someone that like, if you're launching a book, these are some of the things that you should really consider doing before the book comes out? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I'll say I'm not an expert on this because this is my first big book, um, my first, my debut book. However, I will say what I've learned from my peers and from Hang House and just you know myself and my own marketing techniques, I've been talking about my book on my email list and social media for like a year. Not promoting it necessarily, but if you do have any type of email list or social media, bring your readers, listeners, um, people along on the journey with you. So that when it does come out, you know, anything that you're launching or putting out, if you just all of a sudden have something, a program, a book, whatever, and you've never talked about it, no one's going to buy it. It takes the mind at least hearing things. We all know this at least three times to hear something before they grab onto an idea and become invested. Um, So I think the longer, the better. I also, it used to be a thing where the pre-sale phase was a lot longer than it is now. I think we're just you know, people's, there's so much on the internet or competing for people's attention so much these days with social media and email and, and what we're doing that we're starting the pre-sales four weeks out, like really pushing pre-sales hard four weeks out because more than that, it used to be people would start like three months or so ahead of time, but it doesn't ship until the, the on-sale date, right? So if you pre-sell it too far in advance and then there's a big lull you, you kind of run the risk of something happening there where there's there's no excitement when it does come out. And then this is what most people do, and this is what I'm doing. You offer some type of pre-sale bonus that if they buy the book before the on-sale date, they can come back to the website, put in their name and email address, an order number, and then get some kind of freebie. We're giving away the downloads from the book, the checklists, trackers, you know, because the, the book has all that in it, but it's nice to just download and be able to print things. And... I was able to negotiate and talk Hay House into allowing me, because I recorded the book for Audible. I read the book out loud into a microphone in a little teeny tiny room for Audible. Um, We're giving away the introduction and chapter one audio versions for free to people who purchased the book, which I, you know, took some some negotiating on my part. If, If it were up to me, I'd give the audio away for free, but I know that that's giving away the whole book for free, so we can't do that. The publisher's never going to agree to that. Right. But in order to get people started, because there is some time between pre-sales and um, book, uh, physical book availability, I want to give people that introduction in chapter one to get them started. Yeah. Yeah, it's genius. All right, Miss Liz, I'm so, so, so excited for this book. Um, okay, where can people go to get the book? Yeah. Um, most bookstores nationwide, it'll be at Barnes & Noble. Um, of course, Amazon in America, the easiest way to buy things all over the world. It's coming out in the US, Canada, the UK, Australia, August 20th. Um, more markets to come after that. Um, depending on your local area, it'll be in books, actual physical bookstores. I love supporting physical bookstores too. But of course, Amazon, um, Target.com, pretty much everywhere. It's, it's, um, it's available nationwide, Jules, at most places. And then to get the downloadable that you were mentioning... You'll go to Elizabeth, after you buy the book, you'll go to elizabethwriter.com forward slash book. And there's a place to go on, depending on where you buy it, your name and um, email address and your order number or your receipt number. And you can put that in and then get all the free downloads. 
Amazing. 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 So if you want to dive a little bit deeper into some of the strategies that Liz mentioned today, you can head over to juliesolomon.net forward slash 124 juliesolomon.net forward slash one, two, four, and get a free transcript that you can download. So if you want to sync some of this in, we all learn a little bit differently. So you can listen to it and then you can print out the transcript, highlight it, do all of the fun stuff. And again, elizabethwriter.com forward slash book to get those free downloads once you order the book. Liz, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this book. I just feel so honored and excited to be able to celebrate this with you. We're, we have lots of celebrations to come this year, but this is just amazing to have you here. And I know for my audience specifically, this book is going to help them so much because it is easy to apply. It's not going to take a lot of time. It's not going to take a lot of money. It's not going to exhaust your resources to start applying these really easy to do habits into your life just to make your life a little bit easier every day, whether that's better energy, whether that's sleeping better, whether that's losing a couple of pounds, whether that's just really putting more nourishing things into your body and really helping you think differently about health in general. This is the book for that. So thank you so much, Liz, for coming on and for bringing this and putting this out into the world, for taking the action, for just getting started, for not thinking about it for years. You're not someone that would ever do that. But I just want to say thank you for taking action on it because now we all get to revel in it and, and get to really find support in our lives from it. So thank you. Oh, Julie, thank you. No, I, I adore you beyond everything. I love your listeners. I love what you do with Influencer Podcast. So I'm just honored to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right, I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Next time on the Influencer Podcast. We live in this society that success is perpetuated externally. Mm -hmm. What we have, how much money we have, how many people are working for us, what corporate ladder we're climbing, all of these things, like what car we're, you know, it's just external stuff that really right. doesn't matter. Right. But what does matter is when you can find that success inside and you're driven from that internal fulfillment. Yeah. And that's where I stopped at 32 and I said, no more external success.